Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. We live in a world, don't we, of people who are crying out and asking that question, where's the love? In fact, it was a song, right? This world has got me questioning, where is the love? And I wonder what's going on in in your heart today, if you really feel loved. Because my conviction is everyone's looking for love and everyone's looking for life. And we go on these journeys trying to find it. We talked about it this morning. How the prodigal son, he, he goes on a journey looking for life. He thinks it's out there somewhere. But the source of real love, the source of real life is God. It comes from him. And uh, I want to talk for a few moments about trusting God. Because I, I wonder how much you really trust him with your life. Maybe some of you are here and you just came today and you're not maybe a Christian. You're just kind of searching. You're just kind of asking some questions about stuff. And you're wondering, like, can I really trust God or not? And then others of you, you are a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a, a, a while, but you're not really sure, like, can I really trust God with every part of my life? I, um, a few years ago, I was invited to speak at this youth event in uh, Ireland. And um, I was kind of pumped up, you know, to go. It was like a, a weekend retreat. And I was speaking two or three times over the weekend. So when I got there, uh, spoke on the Friday night. And then on the Saturday, the guys that organized the retreat said, oh, we're going to do this high ropes course. Do you want to come? Put your hand up if you've ever been to a high ropes course. Do you know what a high ropes course is? It's like it says on the tin. It's high and it involves ropes. And you go through all these exercises, you know, off the ground. You have to climb up these towers and stuff and then jump off them and the ropes will catch you and kind of stuff like that. Now, I'm not really into that kind of stuff much. Uh, I'm not really an adrenaline junkie. I'm sort of more a bed junkie, you know, uh, bed and a good book and a cup of tea, really. Uh, that will sort me out. Anyway, I went for it. I thought I've got to give it a go. So I went to this high ropes course, did some of the exercises, and uh, the last exercise they gave us the opportunity to, to, to do was, the, uh, I don't know if it still is, but at the time it was the longest zip wire in Europe. It's, uh, how long is it? 375 meters long. And it starts high. <laughs> I think it starts at like a mile up, and it's, no, it's not quite a mile, but it's up there. And you have to climb up this huge tower, uh, and then when you and you're kind of roped up so that you don't fall off the tower in the first place. And then when you get to the top, there's this little platform, and there's this you and this instructor. So I climb up there, and my heart's going gudum 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 gudum, you know. And you feel the adrenaline coursing through your body and all of that stuff, and and your knees are knocking and everything's shaking. And uh, he hooked me up to the to the zip line and he said just go and I said okay <clears throat> okay <laughs> and, uh, and I said to him um, could you just check one more time that I'm hooked up properly 
So he said, sure, sure, sure. You know, so he, he checked. He said, no, you're, you're good to go. Just step off. So I said, okay. I said, could you just check one more time that I'm hooked up properly? He said, no, look, you are hooked up properly. And then he said this, you're just going to have to trust me. Because that's the issue, isn't it? You're going to have to trust me. And so I remember that moment of, I stepped off the platform. And there was a moment of just like terror, followed by the greatest thrill. Going down this 375 meter zip wire. But if you wanted the thrill, you've got to, you've got to have that moment of trust. And here's what I found. A lot of us want the thrill of following Christ. We want the thrill of doing life with God. But what we struggle with is the trust. To trust what he says. To trust that he's got us. To trust that he'll lead us. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 are really well-known verses. The kind of verses people put on their fridge. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Here's what I found that most Christians do. They do, they do this. They trust in the Lord with a little bit of their heart. And then they lean a whole lot on their own understanding. Right? Like, well, Lord, you know I trust you, but... Have you ever said that in your prayer time? I, Lord, you know I trust you, but... How am I going to pay this bill? Lord, I know... I, you know I trust you, but... How am I going to get through this situation? You know I trust you, but... And here's what you're doing. You're trusting the Lord a little bit and leaning on your own understanding. I've got four things just to quickly share. And I'm just sharing this really quickly, like in a devotional kind of way. I won't be preaching for a long time. But I hope this encourages you. Four things that we can pull out of those two verses. The first one is that to trust God means that I choose to believe. It's with all your heart. I trust with my heart. I don't trust with my mind. I trust with my heart. It's a belief issue. Will God catch me if I step off this platform? Will Jesus satisfy my desires? Is, is he enough? Is following him the best life possible? It's a heart issue. And I have to choose to believe. I don't know if any of you have ever been up Blackpool Tower. Have you been up the tower at Blackpool? Some of you, some of you nodding. I remember I went up there with a friend of mine several years ago. And it's high as well, isn't it? I don't know what it is about these high things. We went up the Blackpool Tower. And if you go up to the, the, the uh, viewing level of the Blackpool Tower, uh, there's, a, there's a part where the floor is glass. It's this glass panel. And, uh, and I, I talked to my friend and he said, he said are you, are you, uh, you going to go and stand on the, uh, the glass panel? I said, I uh, don't know, are you? He said, well, I, maybe. I said, well, yeah, I probably will. I probably will. In a, in a minute, in a minute. I just, 
you've got to work your way up to these things, haven't you? You can't go running in there, you know, you've got to... And I remember we walked up to the edge and we looked down. And just, that's the worst thing you can do, isn't it? Look down. And, you know, my knees are knocking and my stomach's going, oh, you kind of, you back away, you know. And there's a sign on the wall out there and it says, you know, this is like, you know, this could hold eight elephants, you know. Like the combined weight of eight elephants. It's like this, this will not break. So that's what it says, and then there's what you see. And that's the conflict, isn't it, between what that says, the promise that's been made, and what you can see. And so, me and my friend, we kept walking up to the edge, and we go, we'll just, we'll do it in a minute, we'll do it in a minute, we'll do it in a minute, we back away. And finally, we got the courage, and so we stepped out onto the glass. And, you know, you're just expecting it to crack and break at any second. Just tiptoeing out onto the, you know, kind of like this, trying to be manly, you know. And we got out into the middle of this pain. And then I saw this girl, this little girl. She's probably about eight years old. She's running towards me. And I'm thinking, go away, go away, go away, go away. And she just comes running and she takes this big dive and she jumps up into the air and like she's trying to break it. You know, she's gonna, and she, and I haven't got time to move and, and I'm just, no, I'm gonna die. And she just lands in front of me and of course everything's fine. And she's jumping up and, ah, you know, because she believed what the sign said. That's the evidence. See, it's a belief issue. Trust is a belief issue. Do you really believe that God's got you, that he's going to hold you, that his word is true, that his promises are real? Or are you trusting what you can see with your own eyes? To trust God means choosing to believe. Number two, to trust God means letting go. means letting go. It says here, do not lean on your own understanding. I was flying once in a plane... Uh, where we were going through a storm, actually. Our plane was the last plane that was able to land at this particular airport. And after we got down, they closed the airport. And I was sitting in the back, uh, and I was sat next to uh, a pilot. And this is a guy who, you know, he worked for for the airline, and he was just getting a lift to another airport. And so he was there in all his uniform, and... um, I guess the flight was full, so the only seat available was next to me. So he came and sat down next to me. And somehow that made me feel better that I was sat next to a pilot, you know. He could reassure me. And as we got, you know, towards this airport, the storm was coming in, and our plane was being thrown around and all that buffeting and turbulence. The rain was battering the the plane. It was uh, just coming down through cloud. It was horrible. It was not pleasant. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I will look to my esteemed pilot friend next to me and I'm sure he will just, um, he'll just be kind of chilled out, you know, sipping a Diet Coke, you know, he'll probably be fine. So I look, I look at him, he's panicking more than me. He's looking out the window. So I said, um, it's, it's a bit rough, isn't it? Hoping he would say, nah, this is nothing, mate. I try, I fly through this all the time. And he said, yeah, it is. He said, I don't, he said, I don't like this very much. 
That's not helping, is it? I, 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 he said, he said, I'll tell you what, this is what he said to me. He said, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be in the cockpit with my hands on the controls right now than sat back here. He said, I don't like being sat back here because I'm not in control. And that's the trust issue, isn't it? We want to be in control. Or at least pretend that we are. We want our hands on the steering wheel. Don't think planes have steering wheels. Whatever they have, turny things. We want our hands on the controls. We want to be in charge. But God's word says, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust is about letting go. Number one, it's a heart issue. It's about choosing to believe. Number two, it's about letting go. Don't lean on your own understanding. You're going to face things in life that you will never understand. You have to trust. I was talking to this little old lady up in our church some time ago. And she came up to me and she said, she said, when I get to heaven, I've got a list of questions for God. I said, have you? She said, yes. When I get to heaven, I've got a list of questions for God. I said, I said listen, I know what you mean. And we all know what she means, don't we? What she means is there are things in this life that have been difficult or painful, things that have hurt her, prayers that didn't seem to get answered, at least not the way that she wanted. And she wants to go to heaven. She wants God to give her an explanation. We all know what she means. But I said to her, listen, I understand what you mean. I know what you're saying. But I said, just imagine one day you are going to Walk into the presence of God and you are going to see God. You're going to see God and all the heavenly hosts before him. I mean, from what we know from the Bible, there are angels and cherubim and seraphim flying around his throne, worshipping him, won't even look at him because he's so holy, won't even gaze upon him. There's going to be throngs and throngs of the redeemed singing songs and praise and worship. And I said to her, do you really think in that moment you're going to reach into your pocket and pull out an A4 piece of paper? And clear your throat and say, excuse me, God, I've got some questions. I said, I think there's two things. Number one is, I don't think God owes us an explanation. And I don't think God's going to spend eternity explaining to everyone why things didn't work out on earth the way that we wanted them to. But secondly, even if God was going to explain it to us, So I think when you see him, it won't matter anymore. I think if God said, let me just explain it to you. I think think you'd say, God, don't worry. It's all right. It's fine. All the loved ones that have gone before, they're here. We're all together again. This is great. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I don't care anymore. Trust means letting go. Some of you need to let go of your question and let go of your anger. And let go of your bitterness and trust. Number three, trusting God is about moment by moment active reliance. 
It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Moment by moment, active reliance on God. See, I I live by a really simple idea. I know this isn't very deep, very profound. I think God's real. I just think God's real. That's it. So tomorrow morning when I get out of bed, God's real. And he cares. He's, He's interested in my life. Cares about the details. God, God doesn't just care about the big stuff, the big ticket items. He cares about all the little stuff too, all the details as well. I mean, I could tell you so many stories of how God's just shown who He is in my life, just by day by day, moment by moment. I. <laughs> A couple of summers ago, it was, uh, it was spring bank holiday and my wife and I were tidying up the back garden uh, after the winter and we we're getting some bedding plants, you know, planted around and clearing some weeds and stuff and spraying off the patio with the power washer and all that stuff. And we turned and we both looked at our sorry patio furniture. Now, we, we love to entertain people. And my wife's really hospitable. That's one of her gifts. So we love to have people over and cook for them and talk to them and just share life with them. And uh, we had a third-hand set. You know you're in trouble when you get something third-hand. It's not even second-hand. It's third-hand. We had a third-hand set of green patio furniture. And the chairs were okay. They were faded. But the table, it was like concave. You know, it was like bending in the middle like this. You know, the legs are all coming out. And I said to my wife, I said, oh, you know, man, we've got another summer now. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a new set of patio furniture? She said it would. And she said, you know what, I'd really like some wooden stuff, not just like the plastic stuff. I'd really like some wooden stuff. I said, yeah, I know. And we did that thing where we said, you know, you start trying to figure out how to make it work. Have you ever done that thing? Like if we rob Peter and Paul and Rob and Francis, we might be able to, you know, if we, if we like, if we don't, if we only eat beans for the next month, you know, maybe we can scrape it together and go to B&Q and grab a set or whatever. And I said, let's not do that. Let's just give it to God. I'm too tired <laughs> to, to figure this one out. I said, and we had a little bit of money that we had for potting, for bedding plants. So we went to our local garden center and uh, to get these bedding plants. And on the way in, they've got some like really nice garden furniture. And we stood by this one set. It was, uh, it was, it was teak. And teak's a hard wood. It's really durable. And it, there it was, this, this beautiful teak table and these chairs. And it was expensive. I mean, we're not just talking hundreds. We're talking a couple of thousand pounds. I mean, it was expensive. And I had that moment. And you've got to catch these moments in your life. If you want to walk with God, you've got to understand what's going on in you. I had a moment of just like resentment trying to come up in me. You know that moment of like, oh, just life's rubbish and how come I can never have that? And Now, maybe none of you have ever had those feelings. I'm just being honest with you. I sometimes have. 
just that feeling of just like, oh, just, you know. And, and I, but I caught myself. I, and you've got to catch yourself. I caught myself. I just said, God, it's fine. It's just fine. It's, not, it's, just, it's just furniture. It's fine. Um, this isn't going to torpedo my day. I'm not going to be depressed for the rest of my day now because I couldn't over it. <laughs> so this is still going to be a good day. God is fine. And I left it and I, walked, I said, come on, kids, let's go and look at the rabbits. No, you can't have one. We're just going to look. And, uh, and uh, as we did that and we got some bedding plants and stuff and we went home. And, you know, fine, end of the day. The next day I'm in a staff meeting at church and I get a text message. So I open it up and have a look, and it's a guy who works in our church as a landscape gardener. I said, Steve, do you want some wooden garden furniture? Question mark. So I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But like, what's the deal? Because I can't afford any, so what's, what's going on? He said, oh, I'm, he texts back. You know, this is like, we're talking about like flow charts and graphs and boring organizational stuff and I'm I'm tuned out I'm into the furniture you know I, he said uh, he said I'm doing a job for this lady at the moment in this posh bit of town and uh, she's she's getting rid of this wooden furniture and it's free to a good home if you want it I'll put it in the van and bring it over I said oh like yeah <laughs> he said P.S. it's really good stuff it's teak so I was like, great. <laughs> he said, I'll put it in the van. I'll drop it into your garden. By the time I got home a couple of hours later from the staff meeting, I walked into our garden and sitting there in our patio is this set of really nice teak garden furniture. It's like God was showing off. It's like God just got, I'm just going to, you, you want to see what I can do, Parsons? I just dropped it in the garden just to show off a little bit. But it, well, God's good, isn't he? Now, listen, you've got to catch your heart. Listen to me. Because some of you right now have gone, well, I prayed for doing I didn't get it. You've got, to, you've got to just be okay. You've got to not lean on your own understanding. You've got to acknowledge him in all your ways. Let him direct your paths. Listen. If God can do that for some, I mean, garden for it's great. We've used it for the last two or three summers now. It's great, but it's only garden furniture. That's all it is. How much more does God want to be involved in the issues of your life? He cares in all your ways. Acknowledge Him about everything. Pray about everything. And the fourth thing. To trust God, number four, means he becomes your guide. And he will direct your paths. Trusting God means he becomes the guide, not you. Too many people, we live the Christian life like this. God, I believe in you. Follow me. Lord, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. And too often our prayer lives, it's like God is our heavenly servant and he's running around doing what we've decided needs to be done. But we've got to turn that around. You've got to turn the tables. We're supposed to follow him, amen? Let him 
guide our paths. I've been saved so many times by God just directing my paths when I would have done something else. I mean, Steve Parsons, I've had some good ideas, man, that would have been a disaster. See, we ought to be glad that God doesn't answer all of our prayers. Because there's things I've prayed that God would do that looking back, I'm so glad he didn't do it. Some people would be dead now if he answered all my prayers. Get him on there, especially when I'm driving. Get him, God, get him. You ought to be glad God doesn't answer all your prayers. And it's only looking back that you can see why. We've got to let him direct our paths. Second Samuel 22, verse 31 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust him. His way, his way is perfect. A few years ago, I was stuck on the top of a mountain in Val d'Isere. I'd gone there to shoot a missions DVD with some people and to speak to a bunch of skiers and snowboarders. Now, do I look like a skier or a snowboarder? No. Uh, but they'd asked me to go, so I went. When I got there, we, we, were, we were interviewing people and talking about missions, and I was singing some songs. And I had my guitar, and they said, look, we'll, we'll video, video you in some interesting places singing some songs. So, you know, down by the river, you know, ding-a-ding-a-ding, sing a song, that's lovely. Uh, you know, on the balcony of a hotel room, ding-a-ding, sing a song. And then a friend of mine called Rob, who's a snow, serious snowboarder, he said, Steve, I've had a great, I've had a vision. He said, I've, he, said, he said, there's this place, there's this mountain, and on the top of the mountain, there's this big rock with a hole in it. It's called the eye of a needle. He said, I've, I just thought we could, you could be stood there on the top of the mountain in front of the eye of the needle singing a song. We could film it. It'd be great. So I said, okay. He said, can you ski? I said, no. <laughs> so a fr- another friend of mine called Pete is a ski instructor. And Pete said, listen, let me and Rob think about it. We'll figure it out how we're going to get you up there. About an hour later, they came back to me. They said, look, we've worked it out. Rob says, I've, I've thought about it. He said, there are four different kinds of ski runs. Put your hand up if you've been skiing. Few of you have, so you'll know this. He said, there are, uh, there are green runs. These are really easy runs, right? Like, you know, you just kind of almost have to push to get anywhere. I mean, just gentle runs. Then there are blue runs. They're a bit tougher, but you're okay. Then there are red runs. The red ones, you need to kind of know what you're doing. You could get hurt. You need to have a few skills to be on a red run. And then there are black runs. This means you're going to meet Jesus face to face. (laughs) This is like Olympic downhill skiing run, okay? So, so he said, I've thought about it and we can get you up to the eye of the needle just on green and blue runs. So he said, look, we'll take you to the, to the nursery slopes and we'll teach you to ski. So I had one hour ski lesson, right? Now, this is not cool skiing. You know, you see all the cool guys kind of, you know, down and, you know, flicking their hair out and all that stuff. 
this isn't that. This is like looking completely ridiculous with your bum tucked out and your feet pointed together, like going along like this, you know, at four miles an hour. You know, that's, so anyway, we have, a, have an hour of, of practice doing these little turns and stuff. And uh, they said, right, you, you're ready to go. So we get on the ski lift and we go up and there's a little green run and I'm okay. We get on another ski lift, we go up, there's another green run, I'm, 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 I'm pretty good. We get up another one, there's a blue run, a bit trickier but I still was okay. And then we went up this big chairlift and we popped out on top of the mountain. And there was the eye of the needle, we set up, we had a film crew, sang my song, they recorded it, everyone's happy. And then Rob came to me, the snowboarder dude. He's one of those guys who does like somersaults, somersaults off buildings and stuff. He came to me and he says, uh, like dude. He said, like, uh, like I thought about how to get you up here. But I didn't think about how to get you back down. And basically you've got a ski down there. Have you seen those Olympic downhill ski runs? So I said, right, okay, I think I wet myself a little bit. And my friend, Pete, the ski instructor, came up to me and he started quoting the Bible at me. And he quoted this verse, but he misquoted it. He said to me, now, Steve, you have to trust me with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. He said, now listen, I will, he said, there's two ways of getting you down this mountain. I will get you down the mountain. He said, there's two ways. He said, now listen. He said, don't look down the slope. Because if you look down the slope, you're going to fall. And on this slope, once you, you will get down the mountain, but you'll fall all the way. So don't fall. He said, I want you to look at me. And he said, I'm going to ski in front of you. I said, you're going to leave me. He said, no, you're not going to leave you. He said, I'm going to ski in front of you. And here's all you have to do. All you have to do is follow me. And all you have to do is ski in my tracks. Don't worry about the mountain. Don't worry about the cliff over there. It will lead to certain death. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about how steep it is. Don't worry about how difficult it is. You just focus on me skiing my tracks. And he said, what we're going to do is we're going to ski across the slope. And then we're going to do one of those funny turns that we practiced. Do you remember those? And then we're going to ski the other way. And then we're going to do one of those funny turns and ski the other way. So that's what we did. Four days it took me to get down that mountain. No, it didn't. Four <laughs> It took me a while though. It took me a while. All the great skiers are coming past me and every so often there was a gap and we'd ski across the road this way again, you know. But we got down the mountain. You know why? Because I had to trust somebody else and I had to follow them, let them lead. That's what faith is. That's what trust is. You need to get out of bed tomorrow morning and let God lead. Stop expecting him to follow you. You need to follow him. You know, not only are we going to follow him and trust him in life, we also have to trust him in death. He's he's always going to be ahead of you, even in death. He's made a way for you. 
even in death. So trust him. Trust him. The Bible says that all your days were written in his book before any one of them came to be. Trust him. Trust him. A few years ago, I did the mission. I'll tell you one more story. I said I wasn't going to preach very long. But I'm, anyway, we'll just trust God. <laughs> I did a mission in uh, Northern Ireland. And there were about three or 400 young people at this mission. And we gave a gospel appeal at the end. And, and 81 young people responded. One of them was a little girl, was a teenage girl, about 15 years old. And uh, gave her life to Christ. We were there for three or four days. And um, at the end of that mission, I was flying home. And when I arrived at Manchester Airport, I was getting my bags. And, there, and this guy came up to me who I didn't recognize. And he said, he said, you were speaking at this so-and-so mission. I said, that's right. He says, my daughter was at that mission. And he said, uh, she gave her life to Christ. She's buzzing. She's beaming. Like her whole countenance has changed just in the last three or four days because she gave her life to Christ. I said, man, that's really, really great. That's really, really awesome. Spoke to him a little bit at the airport. and We went our separate ways. A year later, I'm back in that same town in Northern Ireland doing another outreach. And as I walked in the door, I saw the guy from the airport and I went up to him and shook his hand and said, how are you doing? How's your daughter? And he started to cry. He said, oh, just a couple of months ago, she suddenly died. She was running around the playground and had a sudden seizure and and just died. But here's the deal. As much as that's a tragedy, he looked at me and he said, I'm so grateful. Tears rolling down his eyes. I'm so grateful that she had put her trust in Jesus. I'm so grateful that I know where she is now. Even in death, he's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. Do you know where you're going? Have you put your trust in him for life and for eternity? We're going to pray now. And maybe you're here today and it's time for you to give your life to Christ. Put your trust in him. Others of you, maybe you are a Christian, but you need to trust, trust him in a fresh way with your life today. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye